Got to get a job, 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 got to get a proper job, got to get a 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 proper job, got to get a 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 job, got to got to get a proper job. I've got one! Hi, I'm Ollie Double. I'm a lecturer at the University of Kent, and this is the Proper Job Gradcast, in which we explore how a degree in drama could lead to all kinds of exciting careers in the arts. This podcast will be of interest to you. If you're thinking of studying drama at Kent, or you are currently studying drama at Kent and thinking what you might do afterwards, or, you know, you're just interested in things. In every episode, I interview a Kent drama graduate working in the arts, and this time, I'm talking to Bruce Langley, who you might know as Technical Boy in the Amazon Prime fantasy series American Gods, uh, which is, of course, based on the novel by the great Neil Gaiman. Now, this is a great interview. I'm really grateful to Bruce for talking to me for this podcast. And he talks about all kinds of interesting things here, like, for example, going to Comic-Con conventions, which is something you do if if you're involved in a cult TV series. And uh, also what it's like to have ordinary members of the public cosplaying as you, you know, pretending to be your character. But of course, more importantly than that, he talks about how he got to be in that series and, and particularly the path that led from graduating in just three years to getting that role in a, you know, a big series like American Gods. So without further ado, here's Bruce. I'm Bruce Langley. I graduated in 2014. Fantastic. So that was an easy first question, right? Yeah, uh, nailed it. Th- nailed it. You totally nailed it. That is true. Second question, what's your current job and what kind of things does it en- entail? So my current job, I'm, I'm an actor. I, my current job, I'm working on a show called American Gods as a season regular on that. So it's a show that's on... UK, it's on Prime Videos and stars in the US. Uh, in terms of what that actually entails, it basically means for about for six months every year or so, I head out to Toronto and, and shoot that show and then some press stuff around that. But that's, yeah, that's that's my job. That's fantastic. And just, I mean, you slightly undersold it there. This is a, a big thing, right? It's just that season three is just underway at the moment uh, in the UK on Amazon Prime. It's based on uh, Neil Gaiman novel uh it's quite a big thing right yeah yeah i'm sure yeah no it is which which is lovely yeah no it is no it's, it's yeah I, I don't really know it's it's uh, yeah no it's it's been a, it's been a wild it's been a wild um it's been four or five years since it all started off i suppose about four years um but yeah no it's it's been nuts because just as part of the research for this, I, I looked and checked the date of the first season, which was 2017. So so that was actually quite a short period of time between graduating and getting that role. That must have been a good break. Yeah, night and day. Um, it was nuts. I was, just give it a little bit of context, I was um, doing all the standard London jobs at the time. I was living in North London with a bunch of um, Kent grads, actually. Um doing kids' parties on the side. Uh, I was working at Ripley's, believe it or not, as a costumed sales entertainer, the whole the whole nine yards. I was doing data entry at night for offices, all of it, really. But I, I just picked up a suitcase of lightsabers and a shaggy do costume with some toilet rolls for kids' parties, sort of like one in each hand, off you go. And just, I, I mean, I, I can go a bit more protractedly into how I got the, um, the audition and such, but I, I basically got a call saying, 
hey, you got the role um, in nine days. You're moving to Toronto for half a year. For half a year, get all your uh, proverbial shit together. And uh, Toronto's a really nice city as well, isn't it? I mean, that must have been quite yeah. a shift. I'd, yeah, I've never, I'd never been. Had I been, to, I had been to that continent, but I'd never been. I'd never been to Canada. Toronto's lovely. It really is gorgeous. It's well, the Canadians are just they're very friendly. I know I hate to push into stereotypes, but they really are. And the streets are nice. It's like Toronto is if New York and London had a very chilled out kid. That's kind of the vibe. It's just, it's honestly, I really can't recommend it enough. Love, very cold at times, but other than that, great. And of course, the other thing is, is not only is it, a, you know, a big TV show, but in addition to that, because it's Neil Gaiman and it's in the kind of world of, I suppose, fantasy, right? It's, yep. it's the genre. Uh, there's a lot of fandom surrounding that. So have you got kind of caught up in that as well? Uh, to a certain extent, I've done, um, we've done a few Comic-Cons, which I, I have never been to one uh, without actually like being on a panel or being on one before. But yeah, that's a whole new world as well. That's nuts. So I suppose that does factor into it as well in terms of like going out and doing panels and fan meets and all the rest of, of, of that stuff. But it's honestly, it's just lovely. Like I've, I know some people talk about like getting some heat here and there, but I've, I, maybe it's just because of the fan base of the show and all the rest of it, but it's been nothing but love for most of us. It's been really nice. And you're, you're, I mean, you're one of the series regulars, right? You're a technical boy. And uh, so have you had kind of cosplay and things like that? People yeah. dressing up as yes. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't actually expecting these questions. Good for you. Well done. Surprised. Um, yes, I have. I've had several several people um, dress up as me, either at Comic-Con, well, not as me, as the character, at Comic-Cons. And they're really bloody good costumes. Like, they've seriously put some time in. It's nuts. It's, it is great. There's even, I've... Um, I've started to pop up on my radar. Some people have created like role play fan accounts on social media where they role play as the character, like the full costume and they will like interact with people online as, as tech boy. It's nuts. It's crazy. I, yeah, I love it. There you go. How about that? That's really good. I mean, people, people listening to this on audio will not see how much I'm laughing at your account of things. Although I thought I was getting away with it in the last one of these interviews I did. And then on the edit, when I was editing it, I realised that you could hear me like heavy breathing, laughing in the background through most yeah, of the answers. Yeah. Um, so, okay. You've talked a little bit about this already, but one of the standard questions I ask is really about joining A to B. So you graduate in 2014. How did you get to where you are now? In other words, you know, appearing as a series regular in a, in a big TV show. Okay. I'm trying to think how to make this the most concise. Um, so, I, okay. So after I realized that when uni finished, I, I actually remember having this conversation with you. I think it was either in the gold cafe or maybe I bumped into you near the bottom of Canterbury or whatever. But I remember saying, I know life isn't going to get any easier from here. Um, I'm not going to take my foot off the gas. I'm not going to move home and relax, end quote. So I recognise that it's only going to get harder. Um, so that's why I stayed in Canterbury for a bit and I kept my jobs. Like I was working at the <laughs> Dolce Vita, which I believe is still there. Um, I was working at um, the Marlowe's and Usher. I had a few other jobs around there, but I kept those, stayed in Canterbury and auditioned a few bits and bobs in London. I'll, I'll skip ahead a bit because there is some there's some time dilation here. But the long and short of it is eventually through a slightly more protracted means, I moved to London um and so I'm actually getting quite nervous this is strange I'm not expecting this hold on <sighs> meant to be a professional um I suppose this isn't something I normally talk about anyway um yeah so I was in London for a few years 
um, doing all the jobs and all the rest of it. Uh, what did I do? So I, there was a, so many things that went into this. You couldn't, you couldn't have written this because you, you could never have planned it. Um, okay. So in fourth year, I was living with uni people. One of my housemates, who I'm still good mates with today, was interning at a theatre company called Faith Drama in East London. He recommended me to be part of, they needed someone who could do improv in a music video at short notice. He knew I could do improv because I was in Play It By Ear at Kent. So it was an improv group. We did about, about a gig a week and all the rest of that stuff. So he recommended me for that. I did that. Months later, they were auditioning for another project because I'd been in their music video and they knew I could improv. They got me in for that as well. And he recommended me for that audition as well. The project was a site specific piece of theater in Hackney Wick. So like a big derelict warehouse, you built your own set. It need it's, it had punch drunk elements. So you'd have it, you take around your own little crowd of people around to different areas of the location. You had to be good at improv. There was some parkour involved. So you had to be physically adept and you had to be able to hold, hold your own in naturalistic scenes. In that production that I wasn't going to do because they were paying peanuts and I, it wasn't covering rent and all the rest of it. Um, but I ended up doing um, off the advice of another friend who'd been in the previous version saying that I think you just enjoy it. You'd get so much out of it. I think it's worth you doing. Um, so I'm really trying to keep this concise. Um, my one of the people I had a lot of scenes with called Lewis Griffin. Good mate. Um, he his agent came to sit. I should also mention um, the theatre company was run by Bemi um, Akimelo, who is now one of BAFTA and she's doing she's doing great. So major shout out to her. Um, but I had a lot of scenes with him. Um, and on press night, his agent came to basically be like cheerleading, like go, go Lewis. On press night, um, they saw me and basically approached me at the end of the, the showcase. No, it, was, it wasn't even a showcase. It was literally just a show it was one of the nights they just came at the end and said hello we'd like to represent you please and I was like oh that's oh, okay um I don't really know who you are um but that's 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 very kind exchange details blah 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 looked into them turns out you know they're a fairly big fish um they're still my agent to this day um they put me in contact with an American manager who got me a bunch of auditions for American pilot season one of those auditions was American Gods that's a somewhat protracted, that took its, that audition process itself took about four months, which is a lot longer than usual. I did a lot of tapes for that, but the long and short of it is I ended up booking the role off that. Yeah, you couldn't, there's no way that you could have planned it. I think there's three things that are really interesting about what you've just said. Uh, the first thing is um, the, the, the moment when you sort of almost started going back into the emotion of those times and the insecurity of those times. So the, yeah. the, the emotional challenge of it in a way, I think the other thing is networking. You you met this person, you did a bit of work with them, that led to working with them in another capacity and so on and so on. And the other one is the thing about keeping your foot on the pedal. So in spite of the 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 fact that it's scary, uh, not knowing what the future is and knowing how difficult it's going to be, but keeping going and taking on jobs even when it's not covering your rent. It, does that seem to be, the you know, is that is that pretty much how you see it? I did, look, momentum really, really does matter. Um, and I and also I think this is an important thing to touch on as well. It's going to take a really long time. So you need to arrange your life in a way that you can hold out for a long time and not hate your life and put yourself in a position where you can take the jobs if they become available, even if they don't pay very much or anything. Um, so like my expenses were more or less nothing. It was, you know, the oats, pasta and tuna diet. It, London, all the rest. And this isn't news to it, like everyone does this. But because my expenses were so low, um, I had enough money to consistently be going to scene study classes. 
and to consistently be doing like extra, I was reading minimum a play of a play a week. I was in as many classes as I could. I was I didn't stop. I was sleeping maybe four to six hours a night for two or so years. I think I went out socially. I can count on one or two hands the amount of times I went out socially in those years. And I was just I was either training physically. I was doing some uh, either gym stuff, martial arts stuff or some circus skills stuff, like cycling to work or doing scene study stuff like that was my life. And here's the thing. I bloody loved it. It was great because I was so obsessively laser focused on it. But you kind of you kind of have to be like after uni, um, you you're as far as you are concerned at what, 21, however old you are when you finish, um, you're immortal and you're bulletproof and the world can't touch you. That is the perfect time to go out in the world and start getting shot full of things because you're not going to realize that you've got chunks of you blown off and they'll grow back. So you need you need to keep going. Like it's people talk about balance and all the rest of it. And there's definitely a place for that. But I think when you're sort of out of the gates and quote unquote young, and I'm, I still consider myself young and all the rest of it, but that is the time for disproportionate investment into what it is you're going to go after because momentum is really important and you need it's tough it is tough and you need to be able to weather that storm and ideally arrange your life so that you can enjoy weathering it because then you'll be able to keep going because it's going to take a while um mine was relatively quick a few years that's very fast but you need you need to be able to tank it and hopefully enjoy it because it is tough but you can do it also, just to say, you look, if anything, younger than you did when you were a student. Yeah. So <laughs> you've clearly got great genes because you oh, still seem to be very young. Obviously, I am very old. Um, now, you've already touched on this uh, when you talked about being in Play It By Ear and doing improv when you were at university. But one of the things that strikes me about hearing you, how you kept that momentum going, how you created it and kept it going, is that is my memory of you as a student, you were like that then, I think. You you know, yeah. you were doing everything. You were doing plays, you were doing all the study, you were doing improv. So so my next question is, what what how did your the experience of studying drama at Kent inform your future, if you see what I mean? I do. Uh, um, how did it inform it? I mean no, I mean you're right. I was in I think a minimum past the first couple of terms of first year, I was sort of just getting my getting my bearings. Um, and finding the pubs mostly. But after that, I, I think I was in minimum of at least two shows extracurricularly every every term, whether they were um, director showcases or otherwise, uh, norm, like just bits of theatre, completely independent of uni or in the drama society or elsewise, I was in as many shows as I could. That was really important. Getting actual stage time, like getting yourself in an environment where you can actually test is what I'm learning working and getting because when you're on stage, you get real time feedback if it's bad. <laughs> so that is super duper valuable. Um, what Kent did in many ways or gave me, it was sort of the ideal incubator in a way, because it was a really, really safe environment in which I could go and do all of this extra stuff that I considered First of all, I love doing it, but also my responsibility to do with pretty much zero ramifications if it all went horribly wrong. So a really safe environment to basically to fuck up and to fail, but for it to, to, to get experience. That's what it really did. I mean, course was very valuable in its own way for many things, like touching on all these different aspects of theatre in the earlier years. That was super useful. And honestly, the friends I've made, like 
independent of anything else, I've got friends I'm going to have for the rest of my life from that. that that's, that's worth its weight in gold. But I would, I would say it's probably the incubator, the, the, the safe environment to allow you to go do the extra work to get the experience. But the main thing is going to get the experience yourself. You've got to, you, you cannot just rely on any course to be like, right, I have, I have quote unquote learned how to do it now. You need to go out and get your licks. You need to go out and bomb a few times. You need many times. You just, you need to go out and do it and work out what's working and what isn't and then make the improvements necessary and then go do it again consistently. You just, you, it's experience. It's, it's, it's time in the ring. You can't, that's what it is. I, I also think that there's something that personally, and obviously I'm biased, but I think there's something about the Kent degree being quite varied, like lots of different forms of performance, for example, that you can study in different modules that gives you a taste of different things. I think that's a sort of strength. So I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if he was at the same university at the same time as you, but Tom Brace, who I had on the yes. podcast. Okay, well, he's a professional magician now. When yep. I asked him that question, he said, Shakespeare module. That was one of the ones he mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's funny what, what, you know, the kind of slightly abstract links that you come from having studied a range of things. I actually bumped into him at the, the last fringe just gone. Um, I was just up there watching stuff, but he was there with his own booked out room in Pleasant's Courtyard just for his show. I think he was doing it every night, but yeah, no, he's doing great. Um, yeah. Think in terms of specific modules, what was good. I did, but yes, no. It, I mean, I really enjoyed, like in the first year, there was more of a look into like sort of dipping your toe into everything. And if for nothing else, I think it gives you an appreciation of just the amount of work that goes into all that stuff. And just, you know, I mean, this was already sort of in me from a young age. One of the first things I remember my dad, not first things, but my dad saying to me was manners cost nothing, but they're worth so much. But it sort of just, it gives you like, don't be a twat. Like all these people, you are just a spoke in the wheel. No matter how polished your spoke is, you are just another spoke in the wheel. Don't be a dickhead. Everyone's job is just as important as yours. Like that, I think, is important to touch on as well. And getting to look into how much work goes into those things that some people take for granted, whether that be sound design, lighting design or the production side of it. Like it's hundreds of hours of work cumulatively that goes into making like one shot that looks nice that people go, oh, that was nice. You're like, yes, it was. It was weeks of many people's work yes and uh, there's i mean there's a stereotype isn't there about big story actors being rude to everybody but actually it comes back i suppose as well to the thing of respecting the the crew and so on is it comes back to the thing of of networking you know if you are rude to people and take people for granted that's not great for networking because they're not going to want to spend time working with you ever again probably Whereas if you're good to work with then they'll remember that presumably and that you never know what doors that might open in the future well, that's actually touching on a very important point, I think, which is very true for the industry, but I think is also true in a wider sense in terms of the the animal that is human society, is that it's a people game. It's all about people, like in terms of things retaining their value as the economy's changing all around integration with different kinds of AI and all the rest of that stuff. To me, one of the things that seems it's going to be retaining its value is your ability to interact with humans and be a, be a human being in a, like, just not a dickhead, like in a healthy work environment that has a lot of value regardless of what field you're in that's really important because guess what there's people everywhere so may as well not be an arsehole 
And actually, I think I think uh, for it, whether you go into a creative job or not, I think a drama degree is quite good for that because you work in groups all the time and you have to get on with other people and negotiate even when there are arguments and disagreements and somebody doesn't turn up or whatever it is. That thing of managing a project together and working with other people, I think, is a really important skill in the workplace. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And being able to adapt when, not if, when things go wrong with the team, that's... Yeah, that is super valid. I mean, in many ways, it's sort of a microcosm for every single piece of possible, whether it's the direction you want to go in office politics or anything along those lines. People are people, no matter where they are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Completely agree. I only have one more question. Um, And that is, this is this podcast is called the proper job gradcast, right? The gradcast Mm -hmm. is just to say that it's about graduates. The proper job bit comes from the fact that the number of and you might have, I know you did the stand-up module, you might have heard people making jokes about this, but people always used to, I used to note, note students making jokes about the crap jobs they were going to end up in because they're doing drama, you know, that I'm going to end up in stacking shelves in Sainsbury's or whatever it might be. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just not true. I mean, you know, we we have really high rates of sort of graduate employment, but also we have students doing all kinds of really, really fascinating creative jobs. So that, is a, is a long way of saying. The last question is, what would you say to people who say that dra- a drama degree won't lead to a proper job? My initial response would be, what, what do you mean by proper job? That would be the first thing. I mean, you touched on it there in terms of like stacking shelves at Sainsbury's and stuff. Like my dad worked at Sainsbury's for th- 36 and a half years. My mum was, uh, well, still is a, a mammographer, a uh, radiologist. And they always said to me, look, it, it would be, they didn't hate their jobs but they weren't like over the moon with them. They'd be like, if I think it would be worth so much to you if you enjoyed what you did, I think that could be worth so much to you. And, you know, that from a young age, that took root. I think you should, it's important for people to ask themselves, if you're going to be spending 40 hours, however many hours a week doing something for however many years, it should probably be something that makes you not want to gouge out your own eyes. I could have um, put a bit more of the interview in because Bruce had a little bit more to say about, um, you know, getting a proper job. But I couldn't resist finishing on that line about you might as well do something that makes you not want to gouge your own eyes out. Because, I mean, that's a that's a great punchline right there. So, yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot, a lot of good things in that interview. I, th- I think the stuff, the point that he makes about having to really invest time and effort into building your skills as an actor and taking up every opportunity. And that account that he gives of the three years between graduating and getting his big break in acting is very moving, I think. And, you know, I could have cut out some of the stuff where he gets a bit emotional and nervous, as he puts it. But actually, I think that's really important because he's thinking back to that time, which was both a great time and also a time of, I suppose, uncertainty, um, which, which carries a sort of a whole range of different emotions with it. And I, I just think that he speaks very articulately and very well about that process of trying to sort of find your niche in the world of acting. So, yeah, that is Bruce Langley. Thank you very much to him once again for being on the podcast. And I'll see you next time for the next episode of the Proper Job Gradcast. Bye. Got to, got to get a proper job.